Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasta King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jake Kokorowski. Just waiting for the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, to come on. Hope your Wednesday night's going well. Big show tonight at about 9 o'clock. We're going to play our audio with uh, former Wisconsin Badgers wide receiver safety quarterback Tanner McAvoy. You may have seen him reel in that 37-yard touchdown catch that ultimately changed the game for the Seattle Seahawks at the end of regulation, which led to the two-point conversion and then escaping Kansas City with a 17-16 preseason victory. So we talked with Tanner McAvoy, breaking down the catch, the adjustment to playing first safety, then wide receiver, and just watching other Badgers, other his old teammates, making the big jump and making plays in the NFL during the preseason. And we are now here. we got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, here. Scott, how's your Wednesday evening? Big show. Lots to get to tonight. Yeah, uh, so far so good, I guess. Uh, um, but yeah, a lot going on at uh, that time of the year where things are really starting to pick up. Absolutely. And just some uh, quick notes real quick. I was at uh, Wisconsin Badgers practice this afternoon into this evening. Uh, quick update. Uh, Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal mentioned this. Uh, a couple things. Fullback Leon Jacobs granted a medical hardship, uh, meaning that he has the ability to have one more year. So this won't be his last season. He'll have one more year to uh, acclimate to the fullback position. But also, uh, he pointed out uh, during the Wisconsin Badgers highlight uh, during the uh, Andy Baggett's uh, three things feature each after each practice, mentioning the Taiwan deal appears to be the second running back on the Badgers depth chart uh, who will probably get the carries over a guy like Daria Gumbawale, uh, who led the team in rushing last year, but looks like uh, Daria will have the ability to be a third down back and, and definitely be a good change of pace. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll actually play some audio from running backs coach, fullbacks coach, John Settle, uh, at the end of the show, talking about the fullbacks, you'll see a feature up there. I'm uh, discussing how Austin Ramish, Alec Ingold, and Leon Jacobs uh, have to replace a player of the caliber, Derek Watt, who's currently reunited with Melvin Gordian uh, and opening up holes for him with the San Diego Chargers. So uh, we'll get to that a little later. Uh, you know, it's you know, let's talk with the pro game real quick. Will we have a lot of fun uh, in terms of uh, seeing former Badgers? Play well. Jared Aberderis was everywhere on the field, returning punts. You know, making had a couple of catches against the Cleveland Browns. But then on the other side, Joe Thomas, the All-Pro left tackle with the Cleveland Browns, but also uh, Joe Schobert, fourth-round draft pick, former walk-on, Big Ten linebacker of the year, getting his licks and uh, getting his, you know, get, making his debut in the NFL preseason. What did you did you get a chance to watch uh, any of the preseason game on Friday night, Scotty? And what were some of the you know what were some of the things that maybe stuck out to you? Obviously, it's the first game of the year, so it's not mind bending. It's not going to blow your mind, but uh, you can take take some things uh, you know pull some things out of that game. Um, yeah, I mean it was it, it was a typical tough watch. Man, do I hate preseason football. Um, but it was interesting to see uh, the young quarterbacks fight for what may or may not even be a spot. I mean, there might not even be a third quarterback spot open. But if there is, obviously these these are the two players that need it because Hunley's your backup and Rodgers is your starter. I mean, that, those are given. So I think getting a chance to see getting a chance to see other players uh, step up and try to win those spots was, was kind of cool. Um, other than that, you know, the defense played well uh, for the most part, but it, it, all it does, all preseason football does for me, as we mentioned, you watch some position battles, obviously, but the, the only other thing it really does for me is it gets me amped up and excited about the start of the real season, um, you know, when it really matters and when it really counts. Uh, because if you're the Packers, and if you're, um, you know, uh, Mike McCarthy and, and everybody else involved, all you really care about at that point is, can you get through this thing healthy? 
can you get through this thing, you know, with as few injuries as possible as you had in because, you know, obviously injuries play a big part in the NFL and they all seem to play a big part with the pack. So um I think those are the biggest takeaways of the whole thing. Yeah, no, uh, it's it it I'm it's you know, we'll still see what's gonna happen coming up. Obviously the the Packers playing this, you know, the next four weeks, I don't, or next three weeks, I, it was hard to, I mean, it's a 17-11 game, let's just be honest, you know, that's, that's hard to, that, 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 that's hard to watch, that's a high, very high baseball score, but uh, good, you know, good to see that, uh, you know, Everett got some playing time, uh, and they'll proceed uh, going on with, you know, and it sounds like, I don't know if, if going into this week, if Aaron Rodgers will play, uh, but, We'll see, you know, how that does, you know. But maybe the bigger subject, too. And, it, you know, and we kind of talked a little bit about the preseason. We'll talk about some of the other Badgers, marks like Alex Erickson making a, a huge mark with Cincinnati to start off uh, his NFL career, at least early on. Uh, but talking about the NFL, talking about the players that were discussed in that, re- in that report, that Al Jazeera America report regarding the – um, performance enhancing drugs and the scandal with that, uh, with obviously the source of that recanting that information and, and whatnot. Uh, but the NFL is still trying to investigate and, and gave an ultimatum essentially saying, if you don't talk by the 26th of August, you're going to be suspended. Uh, Scotty, what's your take on this? I mean, really, is, is this is Goodell, you know, Roger Goodell. This is him overstepping his boundaries, right? This is him. This, it, it's not about necessarily the, the, the investigation more, right? This is more Goodell saying, I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do this or else, right? Is, is well, that- it, it, always, it always is. And I think Roger Goodell's feeling a little bit of, um, a little bit of renewed vigor after finally beating Tom Brady in Deflategate. Um, so that, that said, I, here's, here's what I know, and I'm not a lawyer and, I certainly don't pretend to be one or want to play one on TV. But here's, here's what I know. I know that the, collected, the collectively bargained uh, players' union contract says that by right, they don't want players, whether they're innocent or not. Because here's what I've been hearing all day and all week. Well, if they're innocent, they should just talk. If they're innocent, they should just talk. Yes, except they don't live and play in the same world with the same rules we do. Okay, uh, they've got a, a union uh, contract, so to speak, uh, where they aren't allowed to have to uh, to just be able to talk about rumors and hearsay and things that aren't substantiated. Because the precedent would be if Clay Matthews says, "Yeah, I'm innocent. I'll go talk to him." Then anytime anybody's accused, they would have to give up their due process because they'd say, "Well, hey, Clay Matthews talked to us. He didn't care about due process, so now you have." It's weird, it's complicated, it's, it's different than the world we live in and play in. So it's hard for us to understand because, you know, I'm sure you're probably thinking some of the same thing. Well, what's the big deal? Go talk to them. That's not the way it works out. So that being said, um, how do I think this is going to play out is probably the better question. And I don't know. I mean, because I don't, I don't know, would it surprise me if, Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers use performance enhancing drugs? No. Would it surprise me if they were innocent? No. I, I don't know them well enough. You know, again, fans think, you know, they want to have a connection with their favorite player and they want to think, oh, I, I know this. I, I know he would never do anything like that. Or if it's on the opposite team, oh, yeah, that guy's a jerk. I know he would do something like that. But honestly, Jake, we don't know. But. I think performance-enhancing drugs have been prevalent in sports for a while. They kind of really got their start in the 70s in football, you know, as far as the major sports. I mean, they, they were kind of in Olympic sports for a while. Um, people have been ahead of the curve. People have been able to beat the test. But do you really believe that the NFL is clean and void of PEDs? Absolutely not. I think that if Clay Matthews and, and everybody else involved, James Harrison, uh, Julius Peppers, did it, they didn't get caught because that just shows you how ahead of the curve everybody is um, ahead of the curve everybody is on the drug testing and the policy that's in place that's very, very lax. So, anyway, that said, I, 
it's it's you should be concerned because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. But I would think legally, legally without hard evidence, because the Al Jazeera America special really just feels like a whole lot of talk, uh, like people just spitballing and throwing out ideas and saying, yeah, you know, I heard this and I heard that and I heard. But we don't know, and I, I think it's unfair to everybody involved to for us to pretend that that we really know the answer. But uh, it'll be interesting, sure, to see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it, I mean, when it goes up to the risk of suspension, it's, you know, are they willing to risk being suspended? And obviously Ted Thompson came out with a statement, of a bunch, a couple, of the, a few of the media mentioned this, where, you know, Ted Thompson said he'd stand by the players. And I'm just wondering, though, you know, I'd say just, you know, if it affects the game time, I mean, you're, you're, you're getting, you know, if they don't get by the 26th, you know, they'll be suspended. Well, that's, yeah, I, I, you know, how, when do they, you know, when do they start feeling the pressure? And, you know, and one thing, you know, I'm always wondering, like, you know, if you're going to be honest, tell the truth, right? And you have nothing to hide. But I also know why that, why they'd hold out, like you mentioned, you know, why they wouldn't say anything even if they were innocent. Because, you know, it seems like the NFL is overreaching their boundaries. I just, I find it, I just find it uh, it's an interesting situation. I just I don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, do you think that I mean, obviously it's another power struggle where Goodell, you know, has this all-encompassing power, and that's on the players for agreeing to that in the CBA, their last CBA. But how you know how, how do you think this turns out? Do you think they actually show up the last day and, and give the interview? You know, and they have to provide. From what it sounded like in the messaging, you know, not just saying like no comment, no comment, no comment, and then walking out. You know, they have to provide meaningful information essentially, or, or meaningful yeah. answers. I mean, how, how does this how does this play out in your opinion? I don't know. I see the players union getting involved, obviously. Um, uh, you know, to protect these players somehow, some way. I mean, they they kind of have to. You know, um, so what that ends up looking like and how that ends up playing out. I, I don't know yet. I, I, I will say this. I, I, my gut feeling tells me that they won't miss any time because if they did use steroids, if they, you know, without hard evidence, and again, this isn't to impugn anybody. Please understand. I'm not just hear me out. If they did it, but there's no hard evidence, they're going to lie and say they did it. Right. Right. Okay, so if they go there and they're not faced with any evidence and they just say, yeah, no, none of that's true, you know, thank you very much, and out the door they go, I mean, that's pretty much that, right? I mean, what what other recourse beyond that does the league have if they can't present tangible evidence that these players did the things that uh, they're being accused of? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. We'll but, but, here's, but here's – Here's the interesting thing that I always find uh, that I thought was fascinating ever since, you know, the baseball steroid witch hunts. As much as I don't like steroids and performance-enhancing drugs, I guarantee you the reaction, you know, there'll be some disdain and some anger in the beginning for the cameras, but the long-term effects on if Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers and James Harrison were found to have used performance-enhancing drugs, they would be forgiven way faster than Major League Baseball players are for doing the same thing. And I've wondered that for a long time why that is. You know, we almost expect football players to use steroids. You know, it's the old stereotype. Oh, yeah, of course. But, boy, do we, are we quick to admonish baseball players when they do it and keep them out of the Hall of Fame and um, – uh, basically diminish anything they ever accomplished before or after they use PEDs. And I'm not saying you're wrong for doing that. What I'm saying is, you know, you can, it's your choice as a fan or as an uh, observer of a sport. I just, I have a real problem, and I've always had, and, you know, I always will, I have a real problem with hypocrisy. I have a real problem when it's good for the goose, the proverbial goose, whichever you want to be the goose in this case, but not good for the gander. All right, if 
they cheat in um, football. We still love it. It's, it's our passion. And I love football. So, please, you know how much I love football, especially NFL football. But, damn it, if baseball players do it, it's the worst thing that ever happened in the history of sports. And I've never been able to figure that out. I've heard some theories. I've had some interesting discussions. But, anyway, those are just my thoughts. I know I'm kind of rambling on here. But um, I, I don't, I, my gut feeling is they don't miss any time because I think if there was tangible evidence, it would have come out by now. Somebody will intervene. And then if push ever came to shove and it meant missing time and missing game checks, the players would talk to the commission. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel that's the... I think that might be the right course heading forward on that. And, uh, but yeah, we'll see how this plays out, obviously. Um, but yeah, heading from there, uh, real quick around the NFL, uh, it was reported uh, by the NFL network last week or this weekend, I should say, Travis Frederick, former Wisconsin Badger, uh, getting paid, uh, to say the least. And, uh, your thoughts initially, I mean, on that contract, I'm looking up the, the, the amount right now, sorry for guys for this is terrible life life podcasting, but it looks like uh based on the money there, uh you're looking at uh oh gosh, let's see, long yeah, long term extension and, and he deserves it too, obviously first round draft pick. Uh six years, fifty four point six million includes eighteen point two fully guaranteed uh and, and uh apparently he can uh earn close to thirty million in his first three seasons so it's uh yeah I congratulations to him and I still remember him being the last draft pick in the 2013 uh NFL draft uh, in the first round I should say and now he's come up and become a huge uh one of the best centers in the league and and now you see uh another Wisconsin Badger lineman uh getting his just due uh and uh breaking bank yeah hey good for him um you know, Wisconsin for a while had a um, basically a plethora of professional offensive linemen, running backs, and oddly receivers, which you wouldn't think because Wisconsin was never known as a passing school. But they had uh, quite a, uh, you know, they always talked about how Penn State was linebacker U. And I think you could say in, you know, at least top five when it came to churning out NFL linemen, you know, Wisconsin and especially the post Barry Alvarez since he became part of this program. They, they've done a great job cranking out the offensive linemen. And um, hopefully, we'll talk about it when we get in the badge, hopefully that they can get back to that because that was, you know, what made them ultra successful, especially when they don't have a quarterback named uh, Russell Wilson to, to lead the charge. So from that standpoint, uh yeah, it's very, very interesting and, and you know, kind of cool to see um, to see that he got that kind of money. And, and uh, again, he deserves it. And what it means is he was able to have a fruitful, productive NFL career because, you know, NFL careers can be short even for great players. Um, but his is obviously extended, and, and he'll play a little bit longer and hopefully play out this contract and see what happens next because, obviously, offensive linemen take quite a beating. But... Yeah, good contract. Good for him. And looking at that, what else, anything else stand out to you heading in there? I mean, Joey Bosa's still in a holdout for the San Diego Chargers. You got I don't, anything else that's really popping out to you uh, for the preseason in terms of any signings, any, any news, injury front, anything that's popping up, especially with, I mean, and I, for those that don't know this, like Scotty is the fantasy football guru. There's one year where he was in seven leagues and he won all of them. That's how good Scotty is. But anything that's popped out to you that's really gotten on your fantasy radar that maybe, you know, the average fan doesn't know but should? Uh, not yet. I'm, st- I'm honestly still kind of processing. You know, I'm, this weekend's going to be my – kind of fantasy process. We, it, one thing I will tell people who are fantasy football players, take nothing, take nothing from what you see in preseason um, because it doesn't matter. So, um, I mean, what matters is the reps they're getting in camp. What matters are key injuries. What you see in week one of a preseason 
will not help you win a fantasy football league. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. What you read and what you hear the scouts and the reporters and the team insiders talk about will help you win fantasy football games. But what you watched on Saturday flipping through the NFL Network will not, not, not help you win a fantasy football game. And the thing is, once yeah, you mentioned it. It's you know you can't play the big thing. Defense, like you mentioned, just defenses. You know they play their vanilla base. They're not going to show you much. Uh, so regardless, and with so many players out, it's not worth it. But I am I'm waiting to see what injury bug comes next in the coming weeks. Uh, hopefully not. Obviously you don't. Uh, but it obviously you saw what happened, especially with Jordy Nelson. Which maybe we talk about that real quick. Uh, if you heard Packers mm-hmm. opened up Jordy Nelson now. Uh, he's passed the physical. He's able to play with the team. Took him off the pup list. Uh, just the physically unable to perform list. Uh, and, I, I mean, I guess maybe we'll, we'll end this for the pro football section before we get to Tanner McAvoy at the bottom of the hour, but or top of the hour, I should say. Your thoughts, I mean, with, with Jordy, just, you saw the impact last year that he had. Uh, that he didn't have, and how much it affected the offense. Uh, is this, uh, how, how big of an impact is it, is it? Truly stated, this how big, how important he is to this. You know how, how important he is to this offense. Scotty, Scotty, there. Scotty, hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. All right, folks, we got Scotty back on. Apologies on that. Uh, I got a lot of technology on that end. And, um, you know, back to Jordy Nelson. Let's talk about this. Just, uh, yeah, sorry. Did, By the way, let me, just say this. Yeah. Let, me, let me just say this about technology. I will never for the life. I understand bad signal and losing cell service and that sort of thing. I get that, right? What I've never been able to understand is how you can lose cell service to the point where I can hear everything you're saying to me. And you can't, I feel like I'm lo- I was locked in a dark room and I'm, Jake, let me out. And you couldn't hear words. So. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I got you. No, with that, uh, Jordy Nelson, you know, you, you know, maybe I'll rephrase my question where, uh, how excited are you to see him back on a field? And just what, what do you expect out of him? I mean, what should we expect out of a player like Nelson's caliber returning from a serious injury, you know, a, a torn ACL. Yeah, I, I think you won't see um, Jordy Nelson at his best uh, until probably week two or three of the season because he's a little bit behind because he's on the pup list. However, I'll take Jordy Nelson at 85% over some of the struggles they had last year. So what you want to see him do is work himself back in the – playing shape, obviously you wouldn't play him in game two. I, I don't think I'd even play him in game three of the preseason and then give him a few reps, you know, so he can get out there and test it live. And then, you know, again, figure out an offensive plan when you go to battle against Jacksonville and Minnesota to feature Jordy Nelson, but feature some other guys knowing that Jordy Nelson's still on the mend. But it's good to see him. And, you know, I didn't doubt it. You know, I, I knew he was going to be activated and, and off the pup list at some point. But, you know, people start to get anxious and, and they start to, you know, wonder why it's taken so long and and all those other things that come with it. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And Packer fans, I'm sure, are breathing a little easier. And, you know, the the other thing is, though, and, and we've come a long way. 
All right, we've come a long way. But there are still people who will obviously be worried, be concerned because knee injuries. In the old days, you know, you were always worried about re-injuring a knee. And I, I don't think you can necessarily totally discount that. I think to some degree you still worry about it a little bit. But, uh, I, you know, I think we've come so far in, in medical advances and technology that I, I, I think he'll be fine. You know, I mean, people as recently as this year, last couple of years in the NBA with Derrick Rose, people thought maybe he wasn't 100%, and, and it showed I think some of that could have been mental. You know, there's always that fear that, you know, um, you know, if, if you're afraid you're going to re-injure it, you, you might re-injure it. So, but yeah, uh, it, it's good news. I mean, you know, anytime you get a player of that caliber back and in the fold and ready to play, it, it can't nothing but good things can come out of that. So um, so to that degree, I think, you know, the Packers are happy. They sh- they'd be smart to not rush them. Um, but the Packers are happy. Packer fans are happy. And i, I got to believe Jordy Nelson's happy getting to do what he does best as well. Now, before we get to Tanner McAvoy at the top of the hour, uh, talking about his Hail Mary and making his uh, – NFL debut in, in big fashion, a uh, nice fashion. Uh, you look at just around the NFL real quick, and, um, you know, I guess, you know, from your point of view, you see a guy like Alex Erickson, who actually, Scotty, I, I didn't get a chance to tell you yet. Uh, we hope to have a chance to talk with him this weekend, actually. Uh, I'm hoping to set that up uh, for some time this weekend, and, and we'll, we'll play the audio here on the Kielbasa and Sports Extravaganza. But you see a guy like Erickson having the ability to – have an 80-yard punt return for a touchdown, a three-yard touchdown catch, you know, prior to that in the second quarter. Uh, you have Joel Stave, you know, playing decent, had an interception, but had led a good touchdown drive. Tanner McAvoy with a, you know, obviously led the team in catches, rece- uh, receiving yards, then the only touchdown of the game at the end of regulation. What does it mean, you know, like it's only the first game of the preseason, you've mentioned this before, but how much does it mean to to make an impact like that uh, and to get your name noticed? I mean, from your time covering the Packers, uh, you know, for ESPN Wisconsin, ESPN Milwaukee, what what are kind of the things that you see, you know, like when you see those type of plays, like how much does it help? And, and, and I mean, it, it obviously has to making a huge Hail Mary with McAvoy in a six foot six frame and the fact that you have, uh, you know, a guy like Erickson, who a lot of people maybe have might have written off in Cincinnati because of the depth they have at wide receiver, then makes huge plays, uh, not just on offense, but on special teams as well. Well, I mean, I, I think obviously any young – first of all, every athlete that gets to that level, whether they're drafted, whether they're unsigned free agents, whatever the case is, any athlete that gets to that level gets there because they have a strong belief in themselves and – and ego and that sort of thing. And that's, I don't mean that in a bad way. You have to. You can't compete at that level without it. But, you know, your ego can be tested at times. And, and uh, I, I think to see, for somebody like Tanner McAvoy, what that does for him is it gives him immense confidence to say, hey, you know what, maybe I got a shot. You know, because who knows how his camp has gone. We're not there. We're not covering it. Um, you know, maybe he's had some rough patches and, and maybe it's one of those things where this was his chance to, to get some playing time. And, again, it's, he's not going to supplant uh, Russell Wilson. He's not going to be a starter this year. But he's not trying to be. He's trying to get on a team. He's trying to learn the NFL the best he can. Um, so, so those are the things that you're looking for if you're um, a young player. You're looking for chances to go out there, even if you're playing against somebody's third string you want the chance to be able to say, hey, look at what I can do. And, and here's the other thing you're playing for. I mean, let's not discount this. He may not make, uh, he may not make the Vikings. He may not make the team. He may get caught. But somebody else may see him and go, hmm, you know, uh, whatever. T- you know, maybe uh, San Diego needs a backup. Maybe he gets cut and San Diego goes, oh, boy, we had an injury in camp. This kid played, this kid played very good in uh, – in the preseason games yet. Let's bring him in. Let's get him a trial. So you always got to be cognizant of the fact, too, that you're always playing for your next job, too. You know, very few things are guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting cut. Okay, 
that's guaranteed. I, I, I'll take that to the bank. Anybody want to doubt me, you know, go ahead. Let's put some money on it. He will not be cut, right? That, that we know. Everything else is is still unsure. And so it's great for him. It's great to see any young player, rookie, undrafted, anybody after the third round, because those guys are always in jeopardy to a certain degree. You, you're very rarely going to see a first, second, and third rounder get cut. Those guys are, are playing for starting spots. Their disappointment comes if they aren't a starter, if they don't make the first team. You know, that's when, when you see um, when you see NFL players, uh, you know, first, second, third, even some fourth rounders get disappointed. But fifth, sixth, seventh, undrafted guys, veterans who were kind of on the fringe the year before, maybe special teams guys who didn't get a lot of playing time, those are the guys that are fighting. They're grinding. You know, they're the guys that are looking to, to make a difference out there. So, um, so it's cool to see. It was cool, you know. Um, is it going to mean anything in the end? You hope so. But, again, it might not be in the current situation he's in. It might be somewhere else. And you always have to. So, you know, it's kind of like real life. Sports does mirror life in a lot of ways. And I keep telling people this, and nobody ever wants to listen to me. But they, it does. And, and it, it's no different than anything that happens in, in our day-to-day life, where we go, okay, this didn't play out for us the way we wanted to. But what can we do to, to learn from it? Or, or, you know, maybe you're working in a job and, and you love the job, but um, it just doesn't work out for some reason. Or maybe you don't love the job, but your work ethic might help you get you the next job. The things you do in this current situation can help you out later on down the road. And those are the things you always have to stay cognizant of when you're you know, trying to figure out what the next step is going to be, is how important is it that you did the things that you set out to do you did it the right way. Um, so that was, like, see, that's the one thing I do like about preseason football. Like, football itself is usually terrible, but there's usually some weird, cool plays, some plays that you've never seen before, some weird bounces. Um, so it's kind of nice to see the highlights of preseason football, but it's really hard to sit through a full game. It, it's really hard to sit through a full game. Absolutely. But uh, on that note, Let's take uh, let's let's let the fans listen in. We got a couple people chiming in wanting to listen to Tanner McAvoy. Uh, we're gonna play this audio now. Had a brief chance to talk with him in between his busy schedule out in Seattle, out in Bellevue, Washington. Listen in, guys. We'll come back after talk some Wisconsin camp and then talk some Brewers after we talk some Wisconsin Badgers football. So stay tuned. Here is our conversation with current Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Tanner McAvoy here on the Kielbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Hey guys, this is Jay Kokorowski from Bucky's Fifth Quarter here, and with us right now, uh, a former Wisconsin Badger player that uh, many of you remember, former quarterback, wide receiver safety for the Wisconsin Badgers, also a great Ricky Bobby impersonation back on October 31st. Uh, back uh, against Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken, that was the game last year in 2015. We got Tanner McAvoy on, and you may have seen him also with that Hail Mary catch uh, to win, or to actually to have the go-ahead score in the Seattle Seahawks' first preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs last Saturday. Tanner, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. And what? Let me ask you first off, what's going through your head? You know, when, when Trayvon Boykin throws up that Hail Mary and you got that single coverage it looked like from what I saw, what's going through your head when that ball's in the air? Yeah, you know, I think even before the play started, uh, I had an idea that he was probably going to go my way. I kind of looked back at him. And uh, we looked at each other in the eyes and was like, all right, yeah, he's probably going to come to my side. So I was excited. And uh, so, yeah, I just came up the ball and just, um, in those situations, you just kind of got to get in the end zone, uh, establish some position, and um, just go and get it. So, yeah. And what was the excitement like after that huge catch? Obviously, you guys are down, uh, so I'm not mistaken, it was 16-9, to 9, and, you know, time's winding down. You already had a 32-yard reception earlier that drive, and then next thing you know, uh, you know, what, what's that excitement after the catch? And, and then how did the Seahawks veterans react to uh, to that big play when you got back to the sidelines? Yeah, you know, well, before the whole drive, I think uh, we kind of knew the situation we were in. Uh, so my mind really wasn't on, like, exciting things. I mean, I caught the 32-yard pass, but it was right on to the next play, so I couldn't really 
uh, think about it too much. And then obviously when I scored, uh, it was in such a rush. I mean, just it kind of uh, as fast as it was going. Um, it was just uh, it was quite an experience. And then uh, we scored, and next thing you know, we threw up for two for the win. Um, so obviously we're probably going for two instead of going for the tie, which is funny. Um, so we went for two, and uh, we got it. And then obviously when I came to the sideline, uh, all the other guys here, I think every one of them uh, came up to me, congratulated me. Uh, they were all into it. Um, so it was, a, it was a lot of fun. How's Seattle been for you? How's, how's it, not just the team, but the city? Have you been able to really take it in so far in your young NFL career? Yeah, I mean, we've been pretty busy with the schedule, but um, we've gone out to Seattle a few times because uh, we're actually in Bellevue, which is only about 15 minutes east of Seattle. So we're not really in the heart of the city. Um, so I've gone to Seattle a few times. Obviously, uh, it's a really it's a really interesting city. It's different. Uh, it's not like the Midwest really at all. Um, but they've got a lot of lakes. Uh, it's really green out here, and they got good food. So I'm really, I got nothing to complain about. We're here with Tanner McAvoy here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter. You you were signed and it looks like you came in working as a safety initially for for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and uh, then you tra- transitioned back to to wide receiver. How's that transition been uh, in learning the Seahawks offense? Yeah, I mean I've kind of every year of football had a new transition, so I've kind of learned to adapt to situations and how to learn offenses pretty quickly. So it hasn't been uh, obviously it's been challenging, but I've got some real uh, I guess patient and also. Uh, they're really good at teaching the offense in a in kind of a simple matter or a way to do it. Um, so it's been a pretty smooth transition. How's I guess even the transition from positions, but you know, going from the college game to the pro game, uh, what's been some of the differences? Obviously, you don't have to go to school, but uh, how's the training regiment been? And you know, how's how's the training? And then even just learning the playbook, uh, the differences between the college and the pro game. Um, you know, there's obviously a difference, but I think. Just with, I guess, Wisconsin or uh, other D1 programs are set up. Uh, obviously, other than school, they're pretty similar. I mean, we've kind of just been in camp. Um, but we've kind of done the same pattern of uh, days and, like, meetings and practice and lunch and meetings. So it's kind of the same thing over again, but uh, just obviously the level of competition and uh, how experienced and how fast and how much stronger kind of everyone is here. So that's basically the difference. We're here with Tanner McAvoy here on Bucky's fifth quarter. You know, we heard reports that you were working with the uh, the second group of wide receivers yesterday, uh, including getting some reps with former Wisconsin quarterback Russell Wilson. Uh, what have you seen, you know, just uh, playing with, you know, quarterbacks like a Russell Wilson with a Boykin and others uh, at the professional level? Yeah, you know, that's also been a lot of fun. I think, obviously, uh, I mean, those reps yesterday weren't too big. I mean, I think we always kind of rotated in and out with the receiver group. Um, but I mean, we have some injuries too, so I mean, I think that plays into it. But obviously, playing with Russell, um, he's a uh, really good quarterback, obviously. Um, and uh, Trey Boykin's been having a great game so far too. So it's been fun working with those two guys, uh, even Jakey, the uh, third string guy. Um, we've got some good quarterbacks, and it's fun being receiver when you got a guy to throw it. In terms of just, uh, you've, you've been able to see like not just your your hail mary, but on Saturday, but Friday night then, your former teammate Alex Erickson scores a three-yard touchdown pass then takes a punt 80 yards for a touchdown uh, for the Bengals uh, against the, the Vikings, uh, who's also you know, with your you know with your former teammate Joel Stave taking on uh, the Vikings there. What's been the yep. – is, is it pretty cool seeing just, you know, all these former Badgers now making plays in the preseason, working to make those NFL rosters? Yeah, it's been – I mean, that's kind of what I've been doing uh, – the day during those games, so just kind of checking my ESPN and seeing the stats. Um, yeah, I saw Erickson's. Uh, I didn't see it live, but I watched the YouTube clip right after. And I mean, I was really fired up for him. Uh, I saw Darius had a few tackles. Uh, so yeah, it's fun seeing these guys, and obviously, uh, I'll see Joel in just a few days. So it'll be fun to uh, go against these, uh, go against Joel and just seeing all the other, my former teammates um, trying to make the roster just like I am. In terms of just uh, with the training camp and, and, and working through and, and, and learning uh, you know, in, in terms of the offense for the Seahawks, uh, what, in your opinion, what do you feel you can bring to the Seahawks offense and, and to their special teams? Um, I guess well, to the offense, uh, I, mean, I think more of my uh, focus is on making assumptions, not to make team. Um, but with offense, I mean, I can bring size to the receiver position. I think that's what they like about me. And then on special teams, I just got to be able to just be smart, dependable, and, uh, you know, just perform, like, a lot of effort every single play and being consistent. And 
Last question for you, Tanner. We're here with Tanner McAvoy, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, former Wisconsin Badgers, standout at quarterback, wide receiver and safety. Uh, what times? Uh, what times from Wisconsin do you remember the most? Uh, the I mean, the 30 some odd wins that uh, you accumulated when you played here from 2013 to, to last season, 2015. Is it is it the Ricky Bobby impersonation from Halloween? Is it the bowl victories? It's not the Ricky Bobby. One. <laughs> I think it's more of a game. That's a you know, I, I remember a lot of games. Uh, I've had some great experiences in the camp, uh, especially when uh, we played Nebraska with the snow and Melvin went for how many yards he ran for that day. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had great experiences. It's, it's an awesome stadium. Honestly, the, the ones that stick out the most is honestly the loss. It really kind of hurt. Um, I think the, the Northwestern one was probably my most memorable game. Uh, I mean, we came up short, but it was a hell of a game. And, uh, but it was, still, it was still a fun night. It was a night game, so it was fun. And, uh, Tanner, we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for making some time today. I know a lot of us uh, here in Madison are watching you, and best of luck, uh, and, uh, and and take care. All right, thank you. Guys, that's Tanner McAvoy, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to take a quick break, come right back. This is Bucky's fifth quarter. Guys, thanks for listening to that. Uh, not a break at all. I thought we might take one, but we're going to come back live. Big thanks to Tanner McAvoy taking some Time out of his busy schedule, uh, and obviously he had to run actually to a, to a meeting immediately thereafter. So big thanks to him for taking 10, 12 minutes out of his, his day yesterday to talk with us. And, you know, we're going into fall camp. We're a week and a half in. I had a chance to sit down and watch some, some fall ball, uh, take a look. A lot of injuries today, Scotty, uh, from the list. Uh, you, guys can, you guys will read more on our uh, updates in just a little bit. I'm going to publish that after we get down with the podcast, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things going on with the, the injuries and uh, just people are out. It's what happens during fall camp. Uh, I mean, Scotty, have you had a chance to, to cover either? I mean, you've been able to cover the Packers and what you know with, with that, but have you ever seen a lot of injuries just pile up during these like a week and a half, two, three weeks in the camp? Well, you're talking about the Green Bay Packers, so of course. Uh, <laughs> Only kind of kidding. Um, but seriously, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, it's the old adage, right, when it rains, it pours. I think you see that a lot in football. I think you'll see that a lot where um, you'll start to see, you know, the injuries, as you said, pile up. Um, it's, uh, you know, and I think right now from, you know, what I've been reading and what you've been seeing and reporting on, there's been a lot of that at Badger Camp. It's just a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of injuries, and hopefully, you know, everybody gets healthy in, in the next couple of weeks, and some of the, you know, you don't know the severity of some of the other injuries that are out there, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that happens quite a bit, uh, you know, to everybody at one point or another. Some people seem more cursed, so to speak, but, um, yeah, hopefully for the Badgers. You know, what do you know, what are you hearing early on about some of the, some of the injuries that have come out of camp? Uh, I mean, you're looking at this, nothing is, from what you've seen with the, the practice notes and looking at the, it's really, I would say, uh, I, no one's out for good. Like, the, the biggest question mark that was heading into camp was the fact that of uh, his, it was a um, T.J. Edwards, the inside linebacker, essentially having that broken foot and having to work back. Now he came back today, today and I mentioned this to the, there's a, you know, a bunch of the other media members, a lot of, a bunch of our, my, our colleagues uh, for, you know, that cover the Badgers, Scotty. And, and it's the first time that we saw CJ Edwards without the boot, without a boot on. So he was, you know, walking around with his shoes. He was still out obviously, but that's a solid sign that he's making progress from that broken foot. So that's a that's a good sign there. Uh, I mean that that's that was a major injury because they didn't know how well he'd be able to practice. And when we spoke with him during media day, he said, "Hey, I would love to you know, make it out for the LSU game. Now, whether or not that happens, uh, we'll you know we'll still see. But you know, they're 17 days out, and he's he's starting to get back. And uh, the one position group that they could have had an injury and still been okay was that linebacker preferably inside linebackers. You, got, you still have Jack Stitchy, who had three sacks against USC in the Holiday Bowl in December. You have Chris Orr, who 
as a true sophomore is starting to emerge. I think he, you know the young man is a he's an NFL legacy. His father played in the NFL. His you know two three other brothers have played at least college football. One of them's with the Baltimore Ravens right now. He looks to be the next in the line of being an you know barring injury and any jinx that I just played out there has the ability to be a, a breakout player for the next three seasons uh, for the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, so, but yeah, it was, you know, Edwards, uh, hopefully it's, it's a good sign of him coming back, but uh, you know, everything else, it seems like everyone that, you know, they're either limited or they're just out of practice. You've seen quite a few head injuries, uh, which is good that they're being precautionary with that. Uh, I mean, but just looking at the list right now, uh, they had, a, you know, a lot of right, they call it right leg injuries, but yeah, a lot of right leg injuries where uh, there's a true freshman by the name of Quintez Cephas who really stuck out the first week of camp, looked good, made some jump ball catches, like in one-on-one drills, looked the part. He was actually, a, from Fer- he had a scholarship offer and was actually committed to Furman, a Division One basketball school, uh, and he's a 6'195 pound kid that uh, looks the part, and he's only played, you know, one and I think one or two years of, of prep ball, and so they could, you know, harness in the the raw potential into uh, being, uh, you know, learning the routes and a little bit better and, and making plays. He could be a real big name for Nicky mentioned earlier in the, in the show that a wide receivers uh, having an impact in the NFL. Like this, he could not to go too far ahead, but he could be something special there. Um, other than that, I you know the injuries. Um, you know, I, talking to a couple of players, I, I, I see a couple of these players coming back. Uh, there's a little dinged up down the, you know, in the next practice or two, uh, which is a good sign. But uh, nothing that's really scary. Uh, and even Zach Halprin, our, our friend over at the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, it, he looks like it's more or less just relaxed. He's taking it easy for some soreness from from the uh, scrimmage that they had on Monday. So, you know, Darian Gubawale was out today. Uh, so we'll see how he uh, progresses. And I think he's going to be a big uh, a big factor, obviously, in that offense is a, more of a third down back, uh, change of pace. Uh, you know, and I, but I, I think he has a huge contributions there. So and nothing, like I said, nothing, nothing serious so far. Well, that's good. That's all good news. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to think that we're halfway to Labor Day. We're halfway to the to the start of uh, college football, and of course, the week after Labor Day weekend, uh, you've got the NFL kicking off. Actually, not even a week Thursday, so three days after Labor Day, you have your first NFL game. That time of the year, man, I love it. Absolutely, no, and we'll. Uh, Bucky's fifth quarter will be at Lambeau Field uh, covering the game. Uh, coming up, and, and this was also noted too. We didn't get a chance to mention this at the beginning of the show. ESPN College Game Day—it's been pretty much the worst surprise secret ever. Uh, Kirk, yeah. Her- Kirk Herbstreit let it out of the hat months ago, but they will be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, LSU, Lambeau Field. Desmond Howard on Twitter had a big thing talking about the uh, having it at Green Bay. It, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, uh, and obviously, it's a big game atmosphere. Dave Aranda former Wisconsin defensive coordinator now at LSU at the same position. Uh, you know, some other news real quick from LSU side, Les Miles, and you saw like from the advocate down in, down in uh, Louisiana uh, mentioning too, looks like Leonard Fournette sprained an ankle. They said it's a light ankle, a light sprain. So it doesn't seem like to be a high ankle sprain, which is the more serious of the uh, types of, of ankle sprains. Um, Guessing he'll probably suit up still for LSU or for LSU in that game. Obviously, they're 17, they're two and a half weeks out, so uh, I'm sure that Fournette will be ready to go. But uh, that was some news there, and, and just also just some thoughts and, and thinking about the people down in Louisiana. It's uh, you know football aside, it's it's the devastating floods and and, and shout out to the and the Valley shook our cousins that cover LSU there. Um, they uh, uh, one of our Writers over at SB Nation, uh, their house was affected and they got flooded. Uh, so just thoughts and prayers out to them uh, and hope for a speedy recovery, uh, both emotionally and, and obviously financially uh, with, their, with their homes. So uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it's very, very sad to see um, 
obviously I have some uh, friends that still live down in that area, and it's, uh, you know, they're thankful that they're okay, but others haven't been as lucky, and that's, uh, that's a shame. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, real quick, with uh, maybe just one more thing about the Badger stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about, I'm just trying to think of some quick tidbits from today's practice uh, before we uh, go on to some Brewers talk. Uh, besides the injury report for today, uh, on, my, on that note, and you guys will see this in my report that I'll be posting up probably about uh, 20 minutes after we, we finish up the podcast. Um, not much today. I mean, the quarterback battle, I know a lot of the, uh, a few people in the media have noted about how uh, it looks like Alex Cornybrook, maybe the redshirt freshman softball, had won the first, you know, the first week of practice with his throws. And he did look like the better quarterback. Uh, I still say, say it's early on. And, and today, I'd say Houston looked better compared to what Hornibrook looked like today. Uh, and you'll see some of the stats from our friends, Jason Galloway, Ben Wargle. They have in their recaps all the, the detailed breakouts for the passes. I would say, though, that uh, Houston did look better today. I, I think he overthrew a little bit, uh, a little a little high on a few of them. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 I still say the quarterback situation uh, is still fluid. Uh, and, and Houston, I think this is his week to really make an impact, obviously. You'd be two weeks away heading into LSU. Uh, I think this is his week to really show off what he can do and the presence that he has. So we'll see how he responds on that note. And other than that, um, yeah, it, it's just a lot of drops today. Like you saw a couple of true, you know, true freshmen make a, have about three drops, a couple, a couple tight ends. It didn't really help the quarterbacks out a lot today. Uh, it's still early, but you definitely want to see more uh, consistency from those positions, especially with a lot. You can guarantee, Scotty, that the offensive linemen, uh, you know, and, and the running backs and the fullback, they're going to see eight or nine in the box this year loading up with an unproven quarterback and a wide receiver group that's trying to establish themselves uh, after Alex Erickson left and his departure to the NFL. So, yeah, we'll see how that rolls. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out, and uh, we'll have someone there Friday covering the practice. Uh, and uh, I think we only there's only two other times that practice is open. I'll be there Monday uh, during my vacation time too, so we'll cover uh, that practice, which I think is the only practice that's open to the public uh, on that Monday. So uh, a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on over at Bucky's fifth quarter. But let's uh, let's, let's go real quick to let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some Brewers. Obviously not a good series against the Chicago Cubs. Um, how do you want to approach this discussion, brother, with the, with the Brewers? I mean, it's um, – well, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you um, want to go into with this? Well, they look bad right now. Um, they, look, they, I mean, they look like we thought they would look when the season started but they kind of fooled us and, and played well enough to not look terrible. But they look like we thought they would look. Um, part of that is losing guys like uh, Aaron Hill and Jonathan Lucroy. You know, that's huge. Um, trading away some of your bullpen pieces. But let's be honest, the offense hasn't generated enough enough runs that, you know, would have mattered, really. I mean, what what? and this is why when people were all upset about trading away these bullpen pieces, I had to remind everybody to remember what, there's no point in having back and bullpen help when you can't even get there with a lead. You know what I mean? So, um, it's bad, um, but it's, it's, again, it's what I expected, but my hopes got raised just a little bit when they, when they came out of the gate playing a little bit better, but you know, without especially without Braun in the lineup, I, I hate to use this cliche, Jake. I really do. But they look very much like a Triple A team when Ryan Braun's not in that lineup. Um, Broxton, uh, you, you know, VR has been fine, but he, here's the lineup today. Jonathan VR has to bat third. Hernan Perez has to bat fourth. VR's a leadoff hitter. Perez is a six hitter on a good team. You know, good play. I like. I like the way he's progressed. Please don't misunderstand that. But if I told you 
you know, in spring training that Keon Broxton was going to be your leadoff hitter, and VR and Perez and Carter were going to be three, four, five. What would you have thought the season was going to look like? Yeah, no, I feel you. I think the things that I'm disappointed in, I'm not disappointed in the record and, and those sort of things. I'm disappointed in a I'm, – I'm very unhappy with the way Jimmy Nelson has regressed since sometime around June. He, you know, today, again, another ter- really bad start. I've been a supporter of his, thought that he could be a middle rotation guy, number three starter on a good team, but he's not looking like that now. And uh, so those that bothers the Braun injury stuff bothers me a little bit. Um, there's always something with him. Um, RC is hitting 164. I, I didn't expect him to be Robin Down. I didn't expect him to be A-Rod. I've heard people say he could be basically LCD's Escobar. I'd like him to be Gene Segura at some point, and Gene Segura now, and Gene Segura from three years ago. Not, that's it. But um, he struggled, but fine enough. You, you kind of expect that. Um I just when you see in your lineup guys like Jake Elmore, Ramon Flores, Andy Wilkins, um, it's a triple A lineup, man. It's like this is a triple A lineup with Jonathan VR and Chris Carter on rehab assignments. Uh, you know what I mean? Like because they're legit major leaguers. Stinnett is too. But when you look at this lineup, you, it looks like you know you got two major leaguers that are on a rehab assignment playing for Colorado Springs. It's it's rough. It's rough. Um, better days, hopefully ahead. Hopefully the you know you, yeah, I would say trust the process. Trust, I'm trying to trust the process. Hopefully the process doesn't let everybody down. And these players that they've traded for and drafted and all the other things end up developing like people hope. But yeah, it's it's, it's a rough watch, man. Like you know. I, I love. I, I've got tickets to three more games. I'm going to support them through the rebuild. I, I'm not going to go to 20, 25 games, but I've probably been to 10 already. I'll probably end up going to 12. You still have to support. If you believe in the rebuild, you can't not show up and have them lose money at the gate and then have them just scrap anything that they're looking to build. You have to be supportive. You've got to give them a couple of years and see if this new regime and, and if they can figure it out. So I'm okay with that. I'm on board. But for my for a bang for my buck, you know, I, I thought about, you know, I'll still go to the brew games I have in place, but if I want to go see baseball, maybe I'll go see the Chinook. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe I'll drive out to Madison. I would have seen a game when that season was going on. I, I just, it, maybe I'll go up to Appleton and watch a Timber Rattlers game before their season comes to an end real soon. Um, but you got to be patient, and we live in a world like our generation, well, our time that we live in, your generation, but the time that we live in, we're less patient than we've ever been in the history of the world. And we want instant gratification. And that makes it even tougher if you're a sports fan. You want, you see other teams winning. You want to win. And, and it can't ever come fast enough. But Brewer fans are going to have to wait, a, I'm saying minimum at least two years before this team's ready to contend. And I hope it's not more than that. Yeah, no, it's, that's about right. You know, I just, it's going to take a little bit. I, I don't think, uh, I, I feel it'll take a while uh, for them. And I, people thought, I mean, you know, they're playing well early on, and but you know that the results going on, what David Stearns is looking for. Um, to me, it's not, expe- it's not unexpected, but you know, it'll be interesting. Like I said, we'll see who, who they call up uh, towards the end of the year. We'll see how that farm progresses. Um, but, you know, before we, uh, before we take it home, anything else from Major League Baseball that's standing out? Anything that's big for you that, that you're, that you're, I mean, we're getting, to, we're getting into it now. The, the dog days of summer, like I mentioned before, but also just, you know, pennant races. Uh, what's sticking out for you for baseball? Well, I mean, I think there's a great race in the American League East. Um, Three-team race. Uh, Toronto's in first. I think after, I think Boston and Baltimore are playing today, so they they're sitting because Toronto won earlier, so they're both a game and a half out. One of those teams is going to be a game out after 
Oh, so they're okay. So Boston's leading Baltimore. Their game's under a rain delay, but they're up eight to one. So if Boston holds on to win, they'll be a game out. Um, Cleveland looks like they're in control, even though I don't. With all the injuries they've had and some of the bats they're missing, they're, they're still managing to score enough runs to lead that division. Looks like they're going to win it. Texas looks like they're going to win their division with a six and a half game lead. The wild card race. Right now is Baltimore and, and Boston, and, and a couple games back, Seattle and Detroit still on the peripheral of that. National League, man, the Cubs found it again. They, they're kind of like playing 500 ball for a couple months after their hot start. Uh, they're the best team in baseball. That doesn't mean, though, that they're going to win the World Series. You know how baseball works. But they'll be the top team in the National League, I, I think, without a doubt. You know, Washington. Uh, Dodgers, Giants will make the playoffs, and then that last wild card spot. Right now, it would be the Cardinals. It could be Miami, and you know what? Pittsburgh's righted the ship a little bit to get back in the wild card race. They're under 500 for a while um, after getting swept by the Brewers a couple of weeks back. What a difference a few weeks made! Um, and they're winning. They're back to their winning ways. 13 games out of first, but uh, right now, only two game, one game out of their last wild card. So Pittsburgh's back in the mix. Uh, for sure, but you know it's hard to. It, I, I always go with the who's the hottest team. The Dodgers still should scare a few teams because they've been banged up and they're still in first. Still nine games back of the Chicago Cubs with the best record in the National League, but Kershaw is expected to be back. They should get some of these other arms back. They could be scary. They, they could be a sleeper, so to speak. But um, if, if you had a you know put a gun to my head and say, hey, go ahead and predict the World Series. Um, right now, I would say Chicago and Boston. How historic would that be, eh? I mean, Boston finally got over the hump a decade ago after not winning for years. But how about a World Series played in the two oldest parts in Major League Baseball? That's impressive. Now, whether or not I think those – obviously they've had renovations, but you're also just kind of like eh. – Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I, it is intriguing. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's a great well, stat. Kind of rickety parks, but you know they're, they're baseball history, man. I mean, I, I think that'd be kind of neat. But um, you know, I, I don't discount Washington. Again, you know, watch out for the Dodgers. Um, but the Cubs seem to have. Uh, they're both, especially now. Now that I'm hearing that Papelbon might end up signing with Chicago, uh, that's a deep bullpen. And in a short series, when you've got a seven days ninth shutdown bullpen like the Cubs do, that makes you dangerous. And that's why. People, you know, people were curious why during the trade deadline it was so many relievers that were getting um, getting traded and, and why the price was so high for some of them. But that's what people are – that's how baseball has changed. Now it's not about having a starter that can go eight innings in the playoffs. It's about having a bullpen that can carry you from sometimes the sixth, but the seventh, eighth, ninth, shut you down, seven, eight, nine. And so it's like an arms race, but the arms race is in the back of the bullpen right now. And that's what I think you've seen. Uh, over the last few years, and it was very prevalent uh, this year, as you saw uh, at the trade deadline. It, it, that's that's what people need. That's what people want. That's that's what it's all about right now. Before we get to uh, John Settle and talking about the fullbacks, anything else you have before we take it home, brother? I, no, I'm good, man. It was uh, it's been a it was a good Wednesday. Looking forward to. To the weekend, and you know, we talk about it, football and all the things that are kind of right around the corner. On that note, guys, thanks again for for tuning in. We're going to play my conversation with running backs coach, Wisconsin running backs coach John Settle, talking about the fullbacks. Who's going to replace Derek, replace Derek Watt? Obviously, he's with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll come back next week talk more Packers, more Badgers. Of course, dissect what's going on uh, in the rest of the world and with the rest of um, football. And uh, we'll, we'll bring it to you guys live here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Those of the my friends, here is Wisconsin running backs coach John Settle. We're here with running backs coach John Settle. Coach, you know, you're going into the uh, high field with the running backs right now. It's, Week, week and a half in now. Uh, how you feeling going into the whole camp? Well, we're a little beat up. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, <laughs> the practices, you know, taking its toll. Uh, we, we, we're a physical defense, uh, and so offensively, you know, we, we've taken some shots. And, 
you know, so across the board, we got guys that got dinged up. It's got uh, guys we have to try to get back at both the uh, tailback and the fullback position. And, and once we do that, I, I feel good about the depth. But it's just now that uh, everybody's chipped up, it's hard to, to say who, who's going to play for us, who can help us, and uh, you know, who can be healthy. I mean, you know, with the injuries come opportunity, and you had, uh, you know, talk about Austin Ramish and, and Alec Ingold being injured. You, that gave some reps to Leon Jacobs today. How how has Leon looked and, and progressed? Obviously, transition from linebacker to fullback. Well, you know, he he continues to improve. We uh, understand that he's still learning the position. Uh, in the spring, he did some good things. So uh, I think that that carried over to camp. I think he came in with a lot of confidence. He felt good. He was healthy for the first time in a long time. Uh, he, his biggest focus is uh, continuing uh, to learn how to play, play low, play behind his pass. So he understands it's a different game on our side of the ball and uh, requires different te- a different technique. But with the ball in his hands, he, he's a, he's a big time threat. You know, we, we've given it to him from the fullback uh, position, and uh, so he, he runs better than a lot of tailbacks across the country. <laughs> With, when you have uh, your replacement, obviously Derek Watt, you know, at the fullback position, but you, know, you have uh, you know Leon there, but then Alec Ingold also transitioned over from tailback, and then of course you have Austin Ramish, who's had time in the past, you know past couple of seasons as Watt's backup. Uh, how is the position? Uh, obviously they're injured, a couple of them are injured right now, but how are they looking uh, in terms of just the progression within Paul Chris' offense? Well, you know what, I, I, I felt really good <laughs> about a week ago. Uh, the first few practices went well. Uh, Guys were fresh, of course, and it seemed like they were locked in. We picked up where we left off in the spring. Ramish, you know, kind of been the leader of the group because he does have the most experience. I like what he brings. I like his athletic ability, his size combination. And then Ingo is just a guy that's tough. You know, play him at fullback, and he still knows the tailback in case we need to move him back there in certain situations. But uh, it, it's a talented group of young men, and uh, uh, when, we, when we're healthy, uh, I think people will be excited to watch those guys play. What what with the skill set with between you know obviously Derek's now in San Diego with uh, with Melvin Gordon, but uh, what's the difference in skill set between a, a guy like Derek Wad who you know played fullback but also had some tight end experience, and then you have uh, you know Austin and then also Alec and, and Leon. What are some of the differences in the skill sets? Well, well, the thing is, you know. Uh, uh, Derek was the guy that had had it all in one package. Uh, these guys are going to have to, you know, uh, one guy does one thing well uh, as far as Ramish, who who's, uh, has a more athletic ability to catch the ball well out of the backfield. Alan Ingle uh, is more of a, of a physical guy, can get his pads down, be physical, block the linebackers like the one. And, uh, and Leon, you know, he's still learning it, but he's more on the finesse side. He's going to be a body position guy that can move his feet. Uh, and so all those guys together, it's going to take all of us to be successful, whereas Derek, you had one guy <laughs> that, that possessed all, all those qualities. How long does it take to, to acquire the, the skills? Is it, is it just the practice time? Is it just like the reps and games? And then it, exactly. It, it, it's, it's battle tested. Uh, you can't uh, be injured <laughs> and miss a lot of time uh, and then expect to, to acquire uh, different skill sets and different talents and abilities. you got to be available. You gotta be able to practice, and you gotta be able to practice at full speed, and then you gotta be able to play the ball game.